Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Thank you for standing by. This is the conference operator. Welcome to the MDF Commerce Q2 Fiscal 2021 Investor Conference Call. Today's call will provide information and commentary on the company with a focus on the financial results released yesterday. We will hear from Luke Filiatro, President and Chief Executive Officer, and Paul Burke, Chief Financial Officer. If questions following the call, you can reach MDF Commerce at the address on their website, www. .mdfcommerce.com. First, here are a couple of housekeeping notices. All participants are in listen-only mode for the duration of the call. This call is being recorded, and we expect that the recording will be available on MDF Commerce's website today. We remind you that today's remarks will include forward-looking statements that are subject to, to important risks and uncertainties. For more information on these risks and uncertainties, please see the reader advisory at the bottom of Martello's news release, which is on their website and on CDAR. The company's actual performance could differ materially from these statements. I will now hand the call over to Mr. Filiatro. Please go ahead, sir. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us at the Q2 Fiscal 2021 Results Call. We will turn to the results we filed yesterday in a moment, but first, I want to take a moment to tell you a bit about MDF Commerce and our state of operations. MDF Commerce is a developer and operator of digital commerce platforms. Our platforms facilitate billions of dollars of transactions per year of digital commerce for well over 300,000 end-user companies, mostly in North America. The management team here today joined the company in the fall of 2019. Since then, we have undertaken to transform MDF Commerce into a high-growth SaaS digital commerce company with the potential to dominate key market segments. We undertook to clarify the business, streamline and refocus operations, build a five-year strategic plan, execute on a sales transformation plan, and shore up our balance sheet. You will hear later in these prepared remarks that our revenue streams are beginning to grow substantially. Subsequent to quarter end, we renegotiated and expanded our access to debt facilities. We raised $48 million of equity to improve our access to liquidity to currently about $88 million. We have access to adequate resources to fulfill our ambitious five-year growth objective identified in our strategic plan. As we've noted in our previous conference calls, we are investing in two core growth platforms of our business and are harvesting a third. The first growth platform is strategic sourcing. This procurement and tendering platform accounts for approximately 39% of our revenues. We are proud that over 3,500 government and large enterprise buyers rely on our strategic sourcing platform to procure and tender from a North America-wide network of over 300,000 suppliers. Our primary strategy for this platform is to consolidate a fragmented market in North America by acquiring assets that improve our geographic reach, expand the platform, and deliver pricing power through cross-selling and upselling more services. To that end, 
Subsequent to the conclusion of the quarter, we acquired a regional procurement and tendering provider called Vendor Registry. It adds approximately 5% to our top line revenue, expands our reach to 10 more U.S. states, increases our supplier network by 70,000, and our procuring entities by 400. The second growth platform is Unified Commerce, which represents approximately 42% of our revenue base. This platform offers end-to-end commerce, including supply chain, for thousands of mid-size and large enterprise customers globally who rely on our technology. We are currently in the process of deploying significant e-commerce rollouts in the world with major customers, including a first website that was brought in production for OTT Hydromet, which is the Danaher subsidy, just a few weeks ago, with many more to come, and also with a European-based retailer. These projects are temporarily reducing our gross margins and also reducing their recurring revenue as a percentage of total sales in the unified commerce segment because of the outsized recognition of one-time professional services revenue associated with these major deployments. These projects will, att- will extend to multiple quarters but once completed, should have meaningful positive impact on recurring revenue going forward. Our second quarter results indicate that the acceleration shift to e-commerce triggered by the pandemic has generally been sustained, and we plan on exploiting this opportunity with future investments in direct sales, channel partnerships, and product development. Our systems are highly scalable and are now supporting both B2C and B2B volume increases associated with the second pandemic wave. Finally, our Marketplaces platform is a collection of online properties that enable everything from wholesale diamond purchasing to job hunting. Collectively, these five online marketplaces account for approximately 17% of total revenue and are slightly declining but no single property represents more than 3% of total revenue. It is our assessment that incremental investment in these small local online properties would not achieve adequate returns on invested capital. As a result, we do not plan any significant investments for this platform. I would like now to comment on the state of MDF Commerce as we embark on our growth phase. We've completed a detailed review of our review of our revenue streams and are pleased to report that recurring revenue grew by 11% to 15.9 million, which equates to approximately 76% of MDF uh, Commerce's total revenues for Q2 fiscal 2021, slightly lower sequentially than the 77% reported in Q1. As mentioned previously, we expect one-time professional services revenue to be elevated in the short term as we deploy these large contracts that we have recently uh, been awarded. Within the strategic sourcing platform, recurring revenue represents 93% of total revenue, which we believe is close to a maximum annual recurring revenue available to that line of business. Our pipeline of new deployments is growing in this segment, and these new clients are all multi-year services contract that should not meaningfully impact recurring revenue as a percentage of total or gross margins. In addition, the recent acquisition of vendor registry will not meaningfully impact recurring revenue as a percentage of total revenue or gross margin. 
Within the unified commerce platform, recurring revenue is approximately 58% of total revenues. Although we are working on multiple partnership programs to give us an ability to scale deployments of our SaaS solution from time to time, uh, the recognition of professional services revenue could reduce our gross margins. However, these deployments are lead indicators for large recurring license deals. Our enterprise e-commerce platform does require effort at the onboarding phase. Notwithstanding, we intend to use our partners network as much as possible to give us the ability to onboard many more customers simultaneously. For example, we announced a partnership with KPMG at the end of September, which adds significant bandwidth to our commercial and onboarding capabilities. We will be continuing to gradually add more partners uh, in our program over time. As we implement our sales transformation plan, we believe that we will increase our ability to acquire net new customers significantly. As we target new, new unified commerce acquisitions like KE Commerce, one of our criteria will be high levels of recurring revenue. It is our objective over time to maximize annual recurring revenue to similar levels as strategic sourcing platform while we accelerate growth. Before I turn it over to Paul to discuss in more details our Q2 fiscal 2021 financial results, I want to again thank our board, our management team, and our dedicated employees for staying strong, effective, and safe during these challenging times. We are now well into our growth phase and believe that the best times for, for our company lies in the quarters ahead. Now, Paul, please, uh, would you review the financial results? Yeah, thank you, Luc, and uh, bonjour à tous. Good morning, everybody, everyone. Uh, I'll go through the highlights of the second quarter of fiscal 2021. So total revenue for the quarter was $20.8 million. They were up 14% on the $18.2 million reported in Q2 2020. Total recurring revenue was $15.9 million during the quarter, representing 76% of our total revenue which was stable in comparison to Q1 of 2021. For the strategic sourcing platform, recurring revenue represented 93% of total revenue, while unified commerce generated 58% recurring revenue as a percentage of total revenue. Exiting Q2 2021, MRR stood at $5.3 million, and that's a 12% increase over the previous Q2 reporting period. That was led by an increase of 37% in unified commerce MRR and 7.5% increase in strategic sourcing MRR. This implies annual recurring revenue of $64 million. The unified commerce platform, which includes supply chain management, generated $9.1 million of revenue, and that's a 54% increase over the 5.9 reported for the previous year quarter. The recurring portion of revenue grew by 37% to 5.3 million, up from the 3.9 million reporting in the previous year. Subsequent to the surge in e-commerce activity reported in Q1 2021, e-commerce revenue generally maintained strong growth for this quarter. As noted earlier, the increase in our total revenue for unified commerce was positively impacted by the rollout of e-commerce solutions, as mentioned by Luc. Threat sourcing platform generated $8 million of revenue for the quarter, and that's a 5.4% increase over the $7.5 million reported for the previous year. 
and 3.9% growth sequentially from Q1 2021. Recurring portion of strategic sourcing revenue grew by 6.4% to $7.5 million over the $7 million reported for the previous year quarter. Organic growth strengthened this quarter due to improvement in Merck's interface and also to the addition of the resources allocated to sales and marketing in general. Marketplaces platforms contributed $3.7 million of revenue compared to $4.7 million reported for the previous quarter. The marketplaces are comprised of platforms where the company is focused on maximizing cash contribution. As a percentage of total, marketplaces revenue declined from 25.8% to 17.7% in Q2 2020. As revenue scales in threat sourcing and unified commerce, marketplaces revenue will continue to become less impactful on the future performance of the company. Gross margins for the quarter was uh, stood at 67% compared to 74% reported for Q2 2020. The decline in gross margin is associated with service mix and to the lower margin professional service revenue recognized for the deployment of the project noted earlier in unified commerce. We anticipate that gross margins will remain compressed temporarily until the ongoing projects in e-commerce are delivered. Now to the EBITDA, adjusted EBITDA for the quarter was at $2.3 million, and that compares to $3.7 million reported for Q2 2020. Uh, adjusted EBITDA in, in this quarter includes a net amount of $1.2 million of wage subsidy as part of the federal government's assistance program in the context of the COVID-19. Total adjusted EBITDA declined year over year, primarily due to increased investment in sales, in marketing, product development, and also in research and development, all to support the five-year transformation plan. Operating loss for the quarter was 0.1 million in comparison to 2.0 million operating profit reported for Q2 2020. The decline in operating profits, similar to the adjusted EBITDA, was impacted again by the increased investment in order in order to fulfill the five-year transformation plan. On a per-share basis, total net loss for the quarter report was reported at $0.04 cents a share compared to a net income of $0.12 cents a share re uh, reported last year uh, for the same quarter. On a year-to-date now, total revenue was uh, $41.3 million, a 7.4% increase over the $38.4 million reported last year over the same period. For the first half of this fiscal year, total adjusted EBITDA was 4.1 compared to $7.9 million for the first half last year. This decrease was due to divestitures in our fiscal Q1 of 2020 and also to increased investment, again, in sales and marketing and also in research and development. And, on, and with that, I'll turn it over to Luc to discuss performance and outlook. Thanks, Paul. I'd like to make a few comments about our performance and outlook before concluding our prepared remarks. During the quarter, approximately 6,000 suppliers were added to the strat sourcing platform, along with 66 new active procuring entities. Approximately 161 SMEs and two enterprise-level mandates were added to the unified commerce platform. Total deferred revenue, which we use as a proxy for software-as-a-service bookings, increased 32% to $18.1 million in Q2 2021, 
Over 13.8 million reported for Q2 2020. The needles are pointing in the right direction for growth in monthly recurring revenue. As with the previous quarter, a majority of growth occurred in the unified commerce, partially influenced by COVID-19 volumes, but now also more impacted by our, our own expanded sales and marketing efforts. Strategic, strategic sourcing grew a bit more modestly at approximately 6%, but the growth trajectory more than doubled sequentially from Q1 2021. The upward bend in the trajectory is led in part by our redesign of Mercs, but also by a new focus on sales activities. As we acquire and integrate companies like Vendor Registry, more opportunities for cross-selling and upselling should help to further accelerate the growth trajectory in future reporting periods. Based on growing pipeline, management believes that much of the shift in preference towards digital commerce caused by the COVID-19 pandemic will be permanent. This is reflected in the growth trajectories reported this quarter, and we plan to exploit the market trends to accelerate growth of recurring for the two core platforms of unified commerce and strat sourcing in the future. Finally, I'd like to leave you with two key takeaways that I think summarize our transformation to date. First, we have executed. We have shored up our liquidity, made a strategic acquisition to expand our US presence, while also increasing deferred revenue. We have added major enterprise clients in both strategic sourcing and in unified commerce, and our pipeline of new deals is growing every day. On top of that, we are deploying a significant e-commerce pro project right now. By all measures, and even as the stock has accreted in value, MDF commerce remains dramatically undervalued in comparison to close peers like SPS Commerce and more recently Big Commerce. So it is a great opportunity for investors looking for value. Finally, I would say that the entire MDF team worked really hard over the last 12 months to get us to where we are now. So we are determined not to squander the opportunities in front of us. And with that, I'd like to hand it over to the operator for questions. Thank you, Mr. Filiatro. We will now open the line for questions. Should you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. The first question comes from Amir Azat at Echelon. Please go ahead. Good morning. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, my, my first couple of questions are on sales. It looks like Unified Commerce... Um, is flat from last quarter, and I'd like to delve into the dynamics there. Um, you generate revenues partly on number of transactions, so um, is that flat revenue quarter-on-quarter quarter number um, reflective of a decrease in the number of transactions from last quarter and an increase of new clients? Is that a fair way to look at it? Then can you give us like more color as to you know, like how much did the number of transactions go down quarter on quarter? Uh, thanks, Amr, for, uh, for pointing this out. Um, as we all know, in, uh, in April, uh, for good portions of March, April, and May uh, this spring, uh, there was a hammer down on, on multiple uh, areas in the world. And effectively, since we're, we're quite uh, present in the food business, 
we saw a, a, a gigantic increase in number of transactions with certain of our customers. And I, I would guess to say that, you know, the, the total amount from, let's say, January to April probably uh, went up something like 10, maybe even 12x. Um, as the constraints and the confinement measures relaxed uh, over the summer, the number of transactions did come down. Uh, it probably still is at about two and a half to three times what it was in, uh, in January, for example, before the pandemic hit. But it clearly came down as people, uh, you know, sort of started to live a, a bit more normally again. Um, we have recently seen a bit more pickup as there are more restrictions, especially in Europe, a little less so in North America. Uh, but the reason the revenue remains flat, even with a you know significant decrease in number of transactions, is due to the fact that we've acquired multiple new customers that uh, have uh, have paid off. Right? We should uh, we we should see uh, benefits of all these new sites that we've put up in the last few months start to really make a difference uh, in terms of recurring revenue just about now. Uh, and we're obviously continuing to add uh, new customers to the network. Uh, the fact that we now have uh, three partners, I mentioned KPMG, Logic, uh, we signed up uh, ETA, Innovate uh, also, I'm sorry. Uh, we now can, can, can accelerate the implementation of our websites, uh, which will again help uh, grow the number of of, uh, of recurring revenue from the usage of our platforms. Does that answer okay, your question? That, yeah, that, that's actually very good color. Then maybe if we stick to that, I mean, when I'm thinking about the pace of onboarding clients, you've mentioned in the past a large contract when in Europe um, for orchestra, I believe, uh, multi-location, multi-country grocer. Um, how is that onboarding process going? Is it contributing um, a lot to the revenues this quarter, or we still didn't see the bulk of that? Uh, you, it, that contract is, is going very well. Um, we're, uh, we're constantly adding uh, new, uh, new points of sales. Uh, however, it, it, it is clearly not completed, and you're, you're not yet seeing a lot of recurring revenue. Uh, we're actually still in the process of, uh, of onboarding, and there's quite a significant amount of professional services that is being um, uh, recognized uh, during the quarter. And our, our margins on that are, are certainly not as, uh, as good as, uh, as the margins on, on software, obviously. And we, we, have not, uh, we have not yet been able to transfer these, these onboarding deals to our, our newly signed partners, they'll be coming on board for, you know, more uh, the newer contracts to come. Fantastic. Um, uh, sticking to unified commerce, it's it's I think a couple of quarters now that um, it's sort of soft um, on the EDI front. Uh, can you give us more color as to what is driving that and the expectations over the next couple of quarters? Uh, that uh, we we're actually uh, I'd say positively um, uh, encouraged by what's happening uh, in our supply chain uh, groups, uh, as we had anticipated uh, a pretty steep 
uh, lowering of transactions as a lot of our customers there are in the uh, general merchandise and apparel. Uh, however, uh, it, it's been, yes, relatively flat, uh, but certainly has not uh, came down uh, to various points where we thought it could have. So uh, we are adding customers, we're adding suppliers to these networks constantly, uh, but the number of transactions there is, is probably not as high. There just is probably a little bit less consumption of these generally non-essential goods. Um, I, I guess that's a reflection of the general state of the economy. Uh, people just don't buy as many pair of shoes as they used to. And handbags, uh, ladies' handbags, I have to say, were very, very popular at some point. <laughs> okay, um, that's good color. Um, okay, I've got a couple of questions on on your acquisition um, of vendor registry. Um, first, like, what, what's the big picture integration plan? Um, I know there's some overlapping presence in some states. Um, I, I thought I heard you say that there's like um, eventually some sort of integration. Are, are you going to run like two separate platforms for a little while? For a little while. Um, then when you do integrate, which platform would you keep? Um, do they have capabilities that you don't? Um, do they have like a CLM part of their um, offering or are you going to cross-sell your CLM? Uh, a, bit of, a bit of color on integration, I guess, would be helpful. Sure. Uh, we have a very uh, fast-paced and tight integration plan. We, we feel that we should, be, we should take uh, roughly six months so two quarters to complete the integration. The goal is to migrate the, uh, both the suppliers and the, uh, the buyers to our, our networks in the US. Uh, so that way we can offer even more uh, purchasing power to the various buyers that we already have. And also offer more opportunities to the sellers. So uh, we, 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 we are, uh, definitely creating uh, some strong synergies with that integration. And uh, we feel that, uh, you know, come uh, March, April uh, next year, that should be completed. And that uh, acquisition will already be accretive to our bottom line. Um, sorry, did you guys like mention whether they're profitable or not? Are you guys like discussing that uh, publicly or? No, we're we're not disclosing details of that. Okay, um, then maybe one last one, um, and I'll 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 jump back into queue um, again on vendor registry. I'm trying to understand how their business model and pricing scheme differs um, from you guys. I mean, you guys mentioned that it's seventy thousand suppliers, um, so that's a thirty percent uh, increase uh, for what you guys had. But it seems like it's it's a freemium model. From my understanding, so how many of these suppliers are paying customers, um, and are you looking to change that model at all? Or it, it, it's one of the synergy points that we're uh, we're expecting to uh, to to really change uh, because of the way we uh, have set up our, our networks in the U.S. We feel we will have the ability to heavily increase the number of paid suppliers versus the free suppliers. Uh, and also, as we will be offering many more opportunities, like we said, these guys 
uh, are connected to approximately 400 buyers. Uh, we will now offer the ability to these suppliers to be connected to roughly 3,500 buyers. So obviously increasing heavily the value for these suppliers. So that's, uh, that's going to come into play uh, in, in that uh, integration model. So we, we, we feel that we have an opportunity to significantly increase uh, the numbers uh, from the contribution of the, the vendor registry uh, um, customers. Great. Uh, I'll, jump, I'll jump back in the queue. Thanks for answering my questions. Thank you. The next question comes from Jerome Dubril at Desjardins. Please go ahead. Yes, thank you. Uh, bonjour. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, on margins, uh, we know the company is in transition right now, and you set a much higher goal for margins after the transition. Can you maybe discuss the, the specific cost that you expect could uh, could run off shortly? I guess the, the company name uh, change is an example, but uh, what would be the, the other short-term cost? Um. Merci, Jérôme. Uh, well, certainly, uh, the, yes, the, the change of name uh, was a significant amount of cost during the quarter. Uh, we're continuing to, uh, to increase our capabilities. Uh, as I mentioned, in uh, Unified Commerce, we're, uh, we're in the process of launching two major worldwide customers, so we need to uh, continue to invest in our uh, ability to support such uh, large customers, uh, and we're unfortunately, you know, not yet seeing the benefits of the complete operational revenue that will come uh, pretty shortly. Um, we uh, we 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 have completed most of our investments in in sales and marketing. We're obviously continuing uh, to to maintain the sales and marketing efforts. When, uh, when I look at comparing, for example, how much we invest in sales and marketing versus our competitors, we're still very, very low on the chart. Uh, if you look at certain of our competitors that recently IPO'd, they spend up to 50, well, actually, I think it's 47% to be precise of their revenue in sales and marketing. We're just around 17, 18%. Uh, and, and I'm not suggesting by any means that we would go to 50 uh, but we certainly need to maintain that. So uh, that's the situation on, on margin. As I, and I, as we mentioned also, uh, the, the large amount of professional services that uh, we're currently uh, doing to onboard these, these very large customers is obviously hampering margins down. Okay, great. Then moving on to uh, strategic sourcing, we saw the Newfoundland government deal how would you qualify the state of, uh, of government tendering platforms in, in North America? That, I think that can be a competitor for you. How would you say technology is uh, on government platform uh, right now, and are you having more discussions uh, with, uh, with other government at this time? Um, we, uh, in, in Canada, uh, most of these governments use the MERPS platform which uh, we released a major upgrade, I think it was in May of this year, and we're continuing to make that platform better. Um, we, uh, I think it was in Q1 that we actually won a, a pretty significant contract in the UK with the uh, National Health uh, Service. 
uh, that uh, chose our platform over some 60 others, uh, and they had gone through a worldwide uh, bid uh, to pick the best possible platform. So I think that from a technology basics, we've uh, we've somewhat caught up. Uh, I have to be honest. We uh, we kept Mercs in a, a very steady state for very very long, but we we are now in a position where we're offering some of the smarter procurement and tendering functions along with the CLM. So uh, I, I I think again the the focus that we've put on sales and marketing recently uh, show that the increase that we're having, uh, especially in the U.S., is significant. Um, in Canada, we saw the Merck's numbers uh, start to grow back, uh, you know, almost immediately after we relaunched the new platform, which was, uh, I'd say, severely uh, delayed uh, in terms of uh, its uh, interface, its registration process, and the mobile functionality that uh, at the time was not supported. So I think we're in good shape now. Uh, where we just need to continue to execute. Great, thank you. Thank you, Jérôme. Merci beaucoup. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. As a reminder, if you have any questions, please press star 1. Next question comes from Deepak Koshal at Stiefel GMP. Please go ahead. Uh, hi, good morning, Luke and Paul. Uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, I've got a couple of follow-ups. I wanted to start with vendor registry. I, I believe you mentioned that you have a growth expectation for the business of 30%. Uh, what's driving that growth, and, and what are you seeing in general for growth in the quarter in the U.S. market for strategic sourcing? Um, there's been an acceleration of, uh, of, on, of uh, buying technology or, or putting uh, buying platforms on technology such as ours uh, pretty much everywhere uh, throughout the U.S., uh, which was in part uh, caused by uh, you know many slowdowns during the pandemic where old methods of, uh, of, uh, of procurement using fax and, and even mail uh, were just no longer working as people weren't showing up to their offices. So uh, there was a rush to, um, to, to get on platforms such as ours, and we've certainly benefited from this. And generally, the penetration of electronic platforms in government is still fairly low, and we are accelerating our sales effort. And uh, we mentioned today, right, we've added, uh, what is it, 6,000 suppliers uh, in the last quarter and some 60 or 65 buying organizations. Um, understand that that turns into revenue uh, very highly recurring, high margin revenue. It just takes a bit of time because it's not a large amount per supplier, but since the number of supplier is, is fairly high, uh, once uh, things are onboarded, well, the revenue starts to kick up and it makes a big difference. Okay, got it. And and were you, were you, are you still seeing double-digit growth in the U.S. market for that business? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, I think we saw Paul was it 16? Yeah, 15, 16, 14. 15, 16% in the U.S. market. Uh, much, much faster growth than in Canada, where uh, in, in Canada we're we're 
quite a bit more dominant uh, in terms of uh, strategic uh, government strategic sourcing. So the growth there comes from you know more consumption. Uh, there's not that much more white space we could capture in Canada. There always is a little bit, but not as much as in the US. Okay, um, and then I, I think in you, you, when you acquired Vendor Registry, you mentioned about 100 of their agencies, the buying agencies, were using uh, a SaaS software modules. Can you elaborate on the, what that software is and, and what the cross-selling opportunity is? Is it, is it overlap with your C CLM business, or how should we think of that? Mm, I, 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 I'm not sure uh, I have an answer for you at this point. I'd have to relook at it because as far as I know, they don't have a CLM offering. Um, they, they really have a very classic uh, procurement tendering uh, function, which is very similar to what BidNet does. Uh, they have a bit of a different model in terms of producing uh, the content. They, they, they buy a lot more content than we do. Uh, we produce our own content. Uh, so that's one part where we're planning on, on increasing margins. But uh, I'm, uh, I'd have to look back at uh, that SaaS platform. I'm sorry, I don't have an answer for that. Okay, okay. And then in, in terms of the, the shifting to, to e-commerce or unified commerce, um, you talked about the European retailer for a while and, and how big they are. Are you, are you able or willing at this stage to offer uh, a sense of the financial impact of this deal? And what we might expect in terms of either on a qualitative or quantitative basis, what could this add to to, to the base of what, like 30 million bucks for unified commerce? Unfortunately, uh, this client is uh, is very strict on information, and uh, we still we we are not at this point uh, allowed to discuss or even disclose their name. So. Um, uh, I can tell you it's, a, it's going to be a, a major contribution. Uh, it, uh, it's, a, it's a retailer that's very, very large. And uh, we are, we are we're, you know, we're really uh, scrambling to get them on our networks. And we should start to see some significant growth uh, probably in the next quarter. Uh, it will be already, you know, somewhat meaningful. Uh, but uh, give it a, another two or three quarters, that uh, it, it'll be very significant. Okay. And then when I think about that um, expertise you have, particularly in, in in grocery store supply chain and cold chain, um, are you thinking at this stage of opportunities in, in terms of vaccine distribution? I know that's a hot topic these days in the press, and, and cold chain is a big requirement there. How does that specialty differentiate yourself in the market, and what other opportunities can it derive? It, it, it heavily depends on the structure of the clients. Um, some clients offer a very centralized uh, purchasing or, or, or store, right, where it's all the same products, it's all the same things, and, and those models are easily centralized. Uh, because the same goods are being shipped uh, to all of the customers. Uh, the expertise that we've developed is the ability to have both a very central database-driven uh, uh, program, which is obviously connected to all of the other systems of, uh, of the head office, 
but we have a very strong ability to localize, uh, to intake different product sets at the local level. Uh, we have the ability to uh, work with planograms at the local levels to enable an optimal picking and packing uh, system. And for uh, the types of customers that uh, we, we cater to, where they often have a mix of franchise and uh, corporate stores, that's the model that works best. Um, we do see, uh, obviously, some, some, you know, significant press around highly centralized models for very repeatable products and orders. And, and on that end, you know, these guys will offer uh, robotics and, and things like that, which at least for now, we have our hands full with the current, not only customers that we have, but the pipeline that we have, for which the robot types of solutions just would not work, uh, given their, uh, their, uh, I'd say, their business culture. Okay, okay, that makes sense, and hopefully we learn more about that over time as as you add more customers. Um, and then, and I just wanted to go back to the Hydromat upgrade. I think you mentioned that that this is you know the first multi-site deployment that you're doing. Uh, you know, can you give us some more color on how this is different, and and what does the pipeline look like for similar types of opportunities here for that for that business? That, that one's a, a B2B site, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a subsidy of a, of a large corporation uh, called Danaher. And uh, we are in the process of, of building up their complete uh, web architecture and implementing various, uh, various web properties for various products. Um, the plan is, uh, is un unrolling uh, over probably a multi-year program, and we're going to be adding various properties uh, on the platform on a regular basis. That, uh, that one was the first one. And uh, there are, you know, some significant differences in a B2B approach from a B2C approach. Uh, payment, for example, is significantly different because it's paid usually more by purchase orders and and uh, bank transfers, then, you know, it, it's almost never paid by credit cards. Uh, there's got to be a direct connection with uh, the customer buying and the, and the selling uh, so that these, uh, these payment methods are, are validated and approved. Delivery is often on multiple sites. Uh, there's a notion of continuous delivery where certain products as are delivered on some sort of a schedule or, or a, a real-time schedule or a just-in-time schedule, sorry. Um, and uh, we've developed all of that functionality over the last few quarters for that client and are now, you know, just in that scaling uh, mode. So, again, it's one where we should start to see some gains in, uh, in software revenue, uh, which will hopefully soon uh, trump the uh, professional services revenue from the the particular the well <laughs> the particularities of the, that development. Okay, excellent. Okay, well, thank you for taking my questions. I appreciate um, the thoughtful answers. Again, thanks, Deepak. Thank you. The next question comes from Richard C at National Bank Financial. Please go ahead. 
Yes, uh, thank you. As you, as you look forward to the next uh, few years, I'm kind of curious to see, you know, what, what are your thoughts around acquisition relative to organic growth, meaning that you've got this target, uh, of that target, you know, what proportion of uh, that growth rate in aggregate do you think is going to come from uh, either of these sort of uh, drivers here? Hey, thanks, Richard. That's a great question. Uh, in, in our strat plan, right, we, uh, we identified that we wanted to get at this uh, famous 40 rule where a uh, combination of profitability and growth should, uh, should be above 40. And, uh, and, and that's sort of what is going to be the guiding principles of, uh, of you know, how we see uh, how much acquisition will be needed to drive uh, that number. Um, so depending on, on, on the market, uh, we will use more or less of, of acquisitions, both from, I'd say, <clears throat> opportunistically, for example, acquiring in e-commerce or unified commerce right now, uh, the multiples are just uh, unattainable, uh, at least for us, uh, while we're trading at those levels. So clearly, uh, you know, we don't see a need to acquire in unified commerce. And we also were growing, you know, very, very fast organically, and we reported uh, some 50% uh, this uh, this quarter. So, no, no big need to acquire in uh, in unified commerce, you know, for probably the next year, maybe two years. Uh, in strat sourcing, however, what we see there is the opportunity to really consolidate and and become a the dom dominant player. Uh, hopefully in the U.S. and possibly even in Europe. Uh, we've made some inroads in the U.K. with NHS, and that could be an interesting platform there to set foot and uh, and start to do some strategic sourcing. That business, by definition, grows a little bit slower uh, just because of the dynamics of it. Uh, so we'll be using a bit more uh, M&A uh, in that sector. The multiples are way more reasonable. And the companies are, are typically uh, generally small. Uh, so we're, uh, the success there will come from a super tight uh, integration plan where we can, you know, right now, uh, I mean, vendor registry is our first. Uh, we had obviously did an, acqui an acquisition uh, back about a year ago with K-Commerce that we have integrated, but we've perfected our integration plan and the, and the intent is to try to become uh, really uh, some kind of a sausage machine in that integration, and that should create a, a significant amount of values, a value both on the margin and, and on the growth side. So sorry for the long-winded answer, but it, it, it's a mixed uh, bag. We, we have this split personality, right? Strat sourcing and unified commerce. So it's like the, uh, the mini wheats, right? It's the, uh, the sugar and the, the, what is it, the other side, the wheat, or the wheat side anyway. Okay, thanks. That's helpful. Uh, and then, in regards to uh, sort of the pipeline coverage, I was wondering if you could maybe sort of walk us through you know, the order of magnitude of coverage from the unified commerce standpoint, as well as the strat sourcing, you know, relative to what it was uh, maybe at the beginning of this year, because it clearly sounds like you've got a bit of momentum there. Yeah, I'm not sure. You, you mean the pipeline of uh, sales and marketing? No, in terms of like uh, the typical like uh, you know sales coverage pipeline, um, 
you know, the opportunity um, in both of those segments? Like, is it sort of, uh, you know, two or three times sort of a typical coverage ratio? Like, I'm just kind of looking at the trend um, uh, from the beginning of the year, how, how that's been going from a trajectory standpoint. Well, if you look, uh, we acquired about, uh, I think it was uh, 66 uh, new buying organizations in the quarter. Uh, I don't have in front of me how much it was in Q1, uh, but uh, we're, we're definitely accelerating. I, I'm thinking of how it was when I joined, and we were acquiring a handful of customers per quarter. It was really small. So, um, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I don't have a, a precise answer for you. I'd have to look up in our CRMs and, and try to get back to you with something. Uh, I probably feel just from instinct that our capacity to sell is probably, I'd say, five times, maybe four or five times what it was a year ago in strap sourcing. Uh, in e-commerce, uh, on the SMB side, it's always been fairly good with K-commerce. Uh, we didn't need to increase that materially. However, on the, uh, I mean, what you what you certainly knew as orchestra, uh, we now have way more opportunities in front of us than we ever had. Uh, I remember that uh, again when I joined, we had that one half of a person. Uh, dedicated to opportunities uh, in, uh, in in call it enterprise grade e-commerce platforms, and I, th I think when I joined there was one deal that was potentially in the pipeline that never materialized. Just by the way, uh, today um, I you know uh, we're probably looking into 70, 80 potential new uh, you know significant size contracts, uh, and we have a, 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 a much uh, better firepower in terms of our ability to capture these customers. We have uh, some really good references. Uh, we have had some, some very successful deployments, so that, that, that really creates an acceleration. We were able to sign up uh, partners, uh, KPMG, Logic, um, and... Uh, innovate uh, in the U.S. for uh, for the Microsoft ERPs, uh, and, and that should also help, you know, not only give us uh, ability to implement, but these guys are also uh, commercializing and they're introducing us to some of their uh, customer base. So, um, you know, big network impact there that we unfortunately haven't seen yet that much results. Uh, that all lies ahead. Okay. And just one last one for me, uh, you know, I know that you sort of uh, have a facility now. I'm just kind of curious to see, in your view, what level of leverage ratio would you feel most comfortable with here, um, you know, as part of pursuing uh, acquisitions? Uh, well, uh, you know, that, that that's why we changed our credit facility to an MRR facility because, uh, you know, as mentioned, uh, we, we we do need to to renovate certain of our infrastructure, uh, et cetera, and the leverage ratios that we could have uh, needed to execute on the growth plan would would have not been sustained. So today, with the the money that we raised, that it, it's really no longer much of a question, and uh, we we think we have enough 
certainly for for some time to execute on that strategy without going into any meaningful leverage. Um, again, our, our you know we we are EBITDA positive. We certainly uh, intend to remain that way, uh, even though margins might be compressed a bit for uh, because of these professional services deals, uh, but. I, uh, I don't see us going in a, a, a deep uh, into a highly leveraged situation. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks, Richard. Good to talk to you. Thank you. There are no further questions. I will now hand the call back to Mr. Feltro. Go ahead, sir. Well, thank you, Joanna. Uh, well, thank you, uh, everyone, for uh, for your questions and, and your, your insights. Uh, so, uh, obviously, uh, you can find a lot more info on our website. Uh, you're welcome to, uh, to call us if you should need any clarifications at any time. Thank you all for your time and have a great rest of the day. Thank you. Merci tout le monde. This concludes today's conference call. You may disconnect your lines. Thank you for participating and have a pleasant day. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.